Welcome to the Campus Rec Magazine podcast, Supplier Voice Edition. I'm your host, Heather Hartman, the editor of Campus Rec Magazine, here with special guest Emily Paris, a senior associate at Sasaki. I hope you enjoy our conversation. This episode is brought to you by Sasaki, a firm that utilizes planning and design to promote teamwork, social interaction, personal health, and well-being on campuses and in communities around the world. Well, hello, Emily. It's great to have you on the podcast today. Why don't you go ahead and just introduce yourself to our audience for those uh, that don't know you and just share a little bit about yourself, maybe a fun fact or two. Sure. Hi, I'm Emily Paris. I'm a senior associate at Sasaki, um, and we are designers and planners. Um, and, you know, kind of my role here is is really to design, plan, and uh, program buildings within the realm of sports, athletics, recreation. Um, and so, yeah, so, you know, I, it's kind of funny, I got into design uh, way back as a little mini me. I played sports my whole life, team sports, um, lettered in four sports in high school, kind of like just all about exercise, all about movement. Um, and I really wanted to kind of get into the world of, of human performance and designing sneakers and kind of went into school as a realm of how to, you know, really capture movement in the human body, ended up going to design school and fell in love with the idea of competitive venues and and spaces for movement um, and togetherness. So yeah, it's kind of a weird long path, but I, you know, um, I love what I do. I currently live in Boston. Um, my husband and my three-year-old son, who uh, <laughs> might be the best uh, cardio machine I've ever <laughs> encountered. The thing <laughs> just goes and goes. So uh, yeah, no, it's it's a very active, very healthy kind of uh, lifestyle. Hmm. So from sneakers to buildings, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I kind of, I like the idea of, um, you know, almost like the, the following the track of, of individual progress, right? So how do we grow? How do we improve how do we gain and, and at one point you know it was really it was about the sneaker industry and the nike concept and and how the technology was impacting the way that um, humans could set records or work together as teams things like that um and then it you know kind of evolved uh, the part about my job i love the most is kind of about bringing communities together and whether that's to cheer on a team or to you know do a 300 person yoga class or something about people being healthy together as a way of, of socializing that um, brings a lot of reward to my, to my everyday. Hmm. That's really cool, Emily. I did not know that about you. I've known you several years, but I did not <laughs> yeah, know yeah. that. You could I know, have been a kind of weird. Designer. But now you're <laughs> designing these big, beautiful buildings. And I know you've been with Sasaki for a while and you've seen a lot. You've talked to a lot of campus rec people. You've talked to a lot of professionals in the industry. And so I would love to kind of pick your brain on a problem or issue facing campus rec today um, that needs solving. Something maybe you're seeing uh, throughout the industry that, yeah, Sasaki's like, oh, we've been yeah. aware of this. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, so a lot of our firm, you know, we have a big campus planning group um, and we also have, you know, design work, program work, built work. Um, but what I'm finding in, in terms of campus rec, which is super fascinating is, you know, we always talk about trends. We talk about things that evolve over time based on, you know, people's interests or, you know, things that we see or things that we think is successful. I think there's still a big stigma in, in campus rec about um, the campus rec center or campus rec events being 
um, personal physical fitness, right? I'm going to go there to run on a treadmill. And if I don't like that, or if I don't find joy in that, that that building or that space is not for me. Um, and I think, you know, you know, the rec directors that we work with and, you know, we work all over the U.S. So there's a lot of people that are facing the same kind of stigmas. And I think the campus rec world in terms of staff and directors is incredibly collaborative about how they share information and help other programs find success if they've found success. I think it's one of the hardest things is to kind of promote that campus rec is really more about um, a community and, and being engaged and that wellness isn't necessarily physical for everybody in, in that way. So I think the idea that how do we invite people into a building that are feeling overwhelmed or stressed or a, a loneliness without them thinking they have to, you know, put on a t-shirt and, and lift weights because that's not what brings joy to a lot of people. So, you know, I, I think internally in the campus world, campus rec world, it's very much a common conversation, but I think it's very hard to reach some of those um, kind of more diverse audiences that aren't seeing the facility in that way. Um, and we, we hear from a lot of directors, it's like, you know, we want some people, we, our goal is to either, whether it's to improve the facility or rebrand the facility or talk about the facility, our goal is to basically find someone that will never come in this building and get them to come and join us here, right? We want we want those, what they call touch points, or we want those moments of connection. And for some people, that's a coffee shop. For some people, that's just like a quiet phone booth space. And um, there's just so many really great, diverse ways to do that, that um, we learn a lot from our clients, right? We did this, it did not work. We we did this, it's so successful. Um, and that they try to share that. And so we're, we're trying to like make sure that we're aware of the things that are working and not working. Um, you know, and I think some of the the conversations that we have are, are really about, we offer all these wonderful things. How do we publicize that? How do we make a case for funding or renovation that will allow for more of that? Um, and that's some of the, you know, some of the strengths of what Sasaki has been doing, um, just being a part of that community overall. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, what you're talking about, I, I've seen too, and it's been interesting to see kind of evolution over the years, uh, you know, knowing that there are wellness suites now in campus rec right. centers. Uh, like I, when I went to school, we had barely a gym and now <laughs> you have massage chairs, you have nap yeah. pods, things in the rec center, in the fitness facility that go beyond yeah. that fitness. It's really cool that you guys are seeing yeah. that too. And so with that, you know, seeing that problem or issue facing, what, what have been some best practices that um, you've seen when it comes to navigating the issue, you know, keys to success for campus rec professionals, how they can, you know, kind of, overcome, <laughs> overcome this yeah. that you, you've been able to witness? Yeah. Um, you know, I think part of it is about branding. Um, and, and what we find it's, it's almost like an interaction with the person you've never met before is, is the first time you meet that person, your brain automatically decides things, right. Whether you are conscious of them or not. And I think facilities operate in the same way. And so if we can assume we want to find the most general ground for a space. For instance, if I walk into a rec center and I am feeling overwhelmed or I'm more of an introverted person that just needs some downtime, something like loud music and people dancing and lights being bright and what might be invigorating for somebody else really might sensory-wise um, intimidate me and, and discourage me from returning. So I think the way that we 
that we greet people and the way that you program your space to bring in events that are not traditional rec events are super important, right? So if I'm going in there because there's a cooking class that's free and I know that they have, you know, milkshakes and I know that they have lounge chairs, I'm into that, but I'm not necessarily into powerlifting. But if that happens to be in an overlapping space, it becomes less intimidating, it becomes less foreign. So I think, you know, some of the rec directors we've talked to have done incredible things about, um, you know, there's obviously like job fairs and kind of social like academic pieces, but, um, you know, actually, puppies tend to be a big one, <laughs> you know, yes. just come, come in here and unwind with us um, because it allows you to interact with people without a, without a expectation, right? You, everybody can come and sit and, and have a conversation over coffee or smoothie or something, but it's harder to really figure out a locker room setup and get on the treadmill. And I've only got 40 minutes. And so taking out the stigma of what they offer is, is super important. I think um, a lot of our, clients who are trying to renovate or change their facility to allow for a more diverse offering um, are really leaning in on their community and asking people outside of them, you know, going out kind of grassroots on campus and saying, what do you need? What, what does the campus lack in terms of space? And if that's even study space or private phone booths, like those are things that they're trying to engage. If it's an overlap with health centers and wellness amenities that already exist, or counseling or things that they can get people into their facility and try to really sell the concept of individual well-being and individual health. Um, and I think, you know, one of the most successful trends in that way is uh, to really analyze how you engage with your community. And that's not necessarily just students, but it's your faculty and staff, it's your professors, it's sometimes, you know, in, in certain locations, it's the towns nearby, you know, whether they come in as, you know, guests at your gym or they come for spectator events or whatnot, but like, how, how do we encourage them to have an environment that is built for them? That's not just built for one of those demographics. Um, and, you know, we were talking to a, a client recently at UMass Amherst and they, they said, you know, our faculty and staff, we realized when we asked all these questions that they actually didn't know what they were allowed to use within our campus fitness center. A lot of them said, I don't, can I go? Am I invited? Can I get a membership? And so really broadcasting what is available and asking those people what they would want more or less of, I think is really important, right? To get people to feel like they're invited. I think that's a, a big piece. Yeah, no, for sure. And it was interesting. I know there was one thing you said at the beginning, you brought up lighting and how if mm -hmm. you know they walk in and maybe it's too harsh, that could be even a turnoff. And so I think there is probably these subtle things that you all have noticed as, you know, a define a design and architecture firm that maybe campus recreations directors don't notice. Cause I was <laughs> like, I would never have thought of the lighting <laughs> being a deterrent, but it could be. So yeah. I think there's even those small things like that. Have there been any like small things like that, that you guys have noticed when it comes to like design renovation, specifically layout um, that could even help with this? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we, uh, as an industry, we talk a lot about <clears throat> physical barriers, you know, stairs, handrails, making sure that people are physically able to join us. Um, but I think in the last few years, the kind of sensory and emotional barriers are actually just as uh, they're just as popular within a population, but they're not as apparent to us as we design. So um, zero entry, everything is really kind of a big deal. I think, you know, um, individual in particular, individual changing spaces, individual showering spaces, um, spaces where you can take, you know, exercise equipment or a yoga mat or um, different types of things to a, 
a space that's just for you, closed door space. Um, there's some, you know, individuals just need some type of customization to the way they work. And sometimes, even if I just want to go take a nap, I, I don't want to be in a public realm for that. So I think... Um, you don't want to take naps in public spaces? I, I mean, personally, I have no issue. I have no issue taking a nap basically anywhere. That's what you get with a toddler. But I, I think I could understand yes. the interest in having a little bit of... And I think, you know, the disconnect. We, we've um, toured a few facilities recently where there are spaces that no noise is allowed and no cell phones are allowed. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, when we talk about stress, you know, a lot of us exercise to relieve stress. But I think the further we get into the demands of how quick things are expected today, especially in a campus setting and an academic setting, the further we're going to notice it's really, really hard to put your phone down, right? You're going to miss something. You can't keep up. You are going to feel disconnected. Um, but the more and more our brains want that, if we're actually going to find kind of a level space for ourselves. So, you know, lighting and noise tend to be big ones. Um, and not that we want to exclude spaces for meditation or exclude spaces for quiet group sessions. And that's a thing, you know, where you, you come and everyone sits quietly in one space and it's not encouraged to be social, but you're not alone. Um, I think those want to be within our facility, but, but acoustically separated. Um, and, and the rigor has to be held to keep those spaces that right. I don't want someone coming in stretching, doing lunges in there because they have no space. It's like, Hey, wait, <laughs> you know, that's not, that's not what this is about. I think um, disconnect from screen and phone is, is a space that, people feel more comfortable if it's dedicated to that versus go sit in a lounge and don't pick up your phone. That's hard, right? Cause we're awkward individuals. Um, but yeah, there's some, there's some kind of barriers of engagement too, right? Some people like to come in through a side door and swipe the key card and go through. And some people really want someone to show me how to get from point A to point B or how to use equipment or how not to use equipment. So I think there has to be a diversity. I think it's a lot about staff training. Um, it's also a lot about designing, you know, the paths of circulation to be safe, but also somewhat not in the spotlight, right? So you're you're kind of you don't feel like you're being watched. I think that's an important welcoming moment for for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, we we hear also about kind of um, different facilities where we've combined fitness and well being, physical well being with um, counseling services or health services all in one facility to kind of remove the stigma of how these programs overlap for an individual. I think it still makes sense to have separate entries for a lot of those spaces, right? If I don't feel well, physically like have a cold, I don't, I don't want to cut through a weight room to get there. So some kind of clarity about how people are going to move all within the same community is, is really important to make those spaces successful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And it's been interesting because that combination of, you know, health, wellness, mental wellness, physical wellness, uh, physical health, and combining them on rec centers, I've actually seen in commercial facilities yeah. as well. It's been really interesting yeah. seeing that kind of parallel running. And so you wonder what students are going to start to expect out of commercial fitness yeah. gyms when they leave college because they've been taught like, oh, I can get yeah. counseling and like healthcare all in the same space. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, 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 it goes both ways. Right. And it, I think most campuses are, are leading the way in that in terms of how they engage with their populations and what they offer. Um, just knowing that the rigor of their academic programs demands a lot of unwind. Um, but I, I also see like, you know, we hear a lot on, on campuses sometimes where they've run out of square footage, right? So they don't have enough space for the amount of student population, which is a great problem to have in a way. I mean, people are engaged and people are showing up, 
um, but it can take a few years, if not more, to design, renovate, build a facility to relieve that. So we keep hearing them say, well, you know, our, we don't have enough space in the weight room. So students are just going down the street to a local like chain gym. And the question always comes like, okay, so what's the problem with that? And it's like, well, they come back. And a lot of them come back because they realize that what they're getting at the Campus Rec Center is a sense of community, the same people that you know, classmates, teachers, people that are overlapping in a non-academic way. And that's different in, a, in the real world. And I think some of us, myself included, I played basketball in college and when I graduated, you know, I got the nicest gym membership I could find where I was and showed up and it was like, no one would make eye contact. Like my nutrition supplies were not there. No one would help me stretch. I <laughs> just like this weird little wow. gremlin of it was a person a shock. like lost. <laughs> I was like, oh, where are my supplies? Where are my, where's my help? And I, I like just remember feeling like, I don't know anybody here, right? I, this isn't like, I'm not, I'm not part of this group yet. And you know, there's ways to get engaged there, but it was definitely like a, Oh, I'm not, I'm not on campus anymore moment for me. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I value the the time that I had when I had that, that people, that group of people, peers and, and senior kind of leadership directors that really, really, really care about you and make sure that if you're not there for a few days or you're not looking great when you come in, that they just engage, just say hello, talk to you, you know, mm-hmm. just a touch point to make sure you're, you know, within a, a safe space for, for a variety of ways. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so, Emily, with all of that, how is Sasaki specifically helping to kind of address this issue and, and bring light <laughs> to like campus yeah. being being more than just like getting swole and lifting weights, you know, <laughs> like how, how are you guys kind of working in this? Yeah, I think uh, we work in a variety of different ways. So one of the benefits of our firm is that, you know, we do a lot of design and built work um, in the in the recreation world, but at the same time, we're well known for our campus master planning. And that's kind of, it takes everything from, you know, academic space square footages to water supply, to storm water, to solar orientation, to pedestrian and, and vehicular traffic on an entire campus as a whole. And a lot of us in the recreation team here have gotten involved in these master plans to start saying, this is what we're seeing. So if your master plan is planning the next 10 to 20 years, these are things you need to think about. Um, and this is why, so that we may start to analyze the amount of square footage you need for counseling services and also, you know, unwind and well-being, that those things end up together or close to each other so that you can inform the next steps, even if we're not the ones that end up getting the opportunity to design and build that, that it it's in sync with what we're hearing and learning from the campuses that we see. Um, we have a reach of, you know, over the entire U.S., so we get to see many different successful ways of doing it the same thing different ways and I think um, it benefits not only our design like we come back and say in this particular campus what we've done before doesn't work because their situation is different but we've seen three examples of another way to do it Um, and it it really does start in the programming it starts with like talking to people and engaging so you know whenever we do a, a master plan or even you know concept design for something we're starting at a I want to say grassroots, but it's like a engagement hands-on level where we're talking to students, faculty, staff, a lot of the people that we're talking with, we ask for groups that have never been in the facility, like, you know, find, find 10 people that have never been here, that have been on campus for a while, but just you've never seen, because those people tend to have much more insight of things that we might not have thought about. So, you know, we have this awesome opportunity to kind of crowdsource data in a way, right, just from an individual perspective of different designs um, and different processes to kind of come up with the best approach. I think 
another piece of that is we've seen the whole process, right? We've seen it from master planning all the way to the doors open on a new facility or renovated facility. Um, and what we find is a lot of the questions from rec directors come down to how does the process work? How did you get it funded? How did you get the momentum, right? Because they know the value of, of rec and well-being. Um, but they have to sell it in a lot of ways, right? So how do you do it? Do you get a student referendum? Do you start talking to people? Do you, you know, the research is there about um, enrollment and engagement so that when you, you know, get people that are active in your campus, however they see that, whether it's recreation or athletics or clubs and student affairs, um, they, they tend to stay, right? They stay, they graduate, they do better academically. We've seen all these reports, especially coming out of COVID about the value of, um, of connection essentially right human connection and feeling like you're part of something um and so you know the idea of how we fund something is something that we have a lot of background on the idea of how we get things to move through campus approvals is something that really we we've seen a variety of different successful and unsuccessful ways of, of trying to do that and it, it's a learning moment every time um for us and i think you know the other part of sasaki that is really valuable is the you know, it was founded as a, a landscape design company. And so a lot of our solutions are not necessarily indoor solutions. They're walking trails and bike paths and, you know, swings, frankly, uh, chairs along a, a public way. Like people can connect outside. And I think there's, you know, extreme amount of value in landscaping outdoor spaces to basically create a healthy and wellness kind of moment for people. So just making sure that it's an inclusive and holistic, I think we're very good at being diverse in the way that we offer solutions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if, if COVID taught us anything else, it's uh, that outdoor outdoor spaces are important. I mean, you look at the national park uses since yeah. COVID, it's it's just been astronomical. There are so many timed entries now for the parks. So I think it's cool. I, I don't think I realized yeah. that about Sasaki, that it started landscape-wise, but it's neat that you all bring that unique perspective to uh, campuses that, you know, maybe have been predominantly come indoors. And now they're like, oh, yeah. how can we meet students outside? You know, even in places like Nebraska in the That's winter. Right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, no, um, I would say, you know, to your point about COVID, the last few years, the things that we've been designing, um, you know, it, it, we've designed a lot of hammock areas, right? People want to be outside hanging out and doing nothing. I love that. All the hammocks, yes. Reading, unwinding, literally. Um, but the other part is really engaging and kind of appreciating your natural setting, right? So if you think about a campus, a lot of times students that go are looking for a particular environment. That's what's drawing them to apply where you are. And there's a variety of other reasons as well. But, um, you know, I think in Boston, I think of the the Northeast being cold and windy, but, you know, we, we can ice skate here. You know, we can do fire pits here. We can do all these outdoor activities with snow that, it's kind of unique here. So we've found campuses engaging. We have a walking trail. Can it be cross country in the winter? How would we do that? What equipment do we need? Um, how do we bring people together even if it's cold? Um, it's been a really cool. And it, I think it, it adds a unique kind of perspective to some of these campuses. So yeah, it's, it's really about just taking what you have and, and doing the best with it even if it's cold. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. But you have, I've always said to people, hey, the only way to get through the winter is to figure out how to enjoy the cold and Absolutely. you'll actually not be dreading it as much. <laughs> so, Absolutely. A little yeah. harder when there's less snow, but there's still know, things you can do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. And it's, and it's tends to be 
somewhat better in a group, right? So get people together, bundle up, make an event of it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really about connection, right? Community yeah. connection. Yes, for sure, for sure, which sounds like what Sasaki is truly about is bringing those communities and connections together. So I guess, Emily, to kind of sum it up and to wrap it up, um, what is uh, one thing that you would like our listeners to know about Sasaki? If, if all they listen to is this minute, <laughs> what, what would you say to them? Well, that's a lot of pressure. Um, I would say, um, you know, I think I think our best, at, you know, we, we've designed things, we've built things. I think we are just really, really good listeners. I think we genuinely take every project from from the community up, meaning we hear from you and then we, we start helping to form something brilliant um, or almost brilliant, depending, <laughs> depending on what no, we No, just, just say it as always it is. Brilliant, brilliant. Always brilliant seems a little, a little uh, <laughs> heavy-handed, but, um, and I, you know, our team here, like we're, we're former athletes, we're yoga enthusiasts, we're coaches, we're parents, we're, we're people that are here doing this because it's really something we get excited about. Me personally, I haven't yet designed a successful sneaker. So I don't know that I have a ton of other options in the realm of, <laughs> but I, I really, really, really like, um, like what I do. And I think, you know, there's an enthusiasm behind doing something unique that, that can be realized, you know, and I think that's the other part of it is like working within a realm to say, um, we want this to happen sooner rather than later for the community that is on your campus right now. So um, I think we're very realistic in that way. And yeah, and we're also very fun. I mean, that's the best part about working in the rec world is the people, the people, the clients, they're just really good, fun people. So yeah, it's exciting. Yes, they are. That is one word to describe them. So I don't know, Emily, <laughs> maybe, maybe campus recreation centers are just giant sneakers for large communities. <laughs> I think so. I think let's see how, I mean, in that one, yeah, like that's, so I think, That's the I nicest think I've ever heard job. that put. <laughs> That's a good so one em- for there. I like that. <laughs> Emily's just designing really large sneakers. Really big, so, really yeah. big sneakers. Yeah. Um, it's neat that I got to chat with you today. I, I know I've known you for a few years, but it's always fun to catch up with you. So thank you so much for being on the show today and for just kind of giving us insight into what's going on in the industry. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you.